Hi and welcome to Terra.2's climate podcast. Focusing on developing countries, we hope to cover a range of issues relating to climate change, development, sustainability, conservation and many more. Today's guest is Sejo Mehta. She's currently the editor at Marine Life Mumbai, the flagship project of Coastal Conservation Foundation. Her past work includes Lonely Planet Magazine India, National Geographic Traveler India, amongst others. She's a published author of children's books and fiction. I'm Kirti Manjan, and I'll be your host for today. Hi, Sejo. A big welcome to you. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Kirti. So I'm going to get started by asking you about Marine Life of Mumbai, and this is under the aegis of the Coastal Conservation Foundation. Can you tell us more about your role within the organization? What does the organization itself do, and what kind of impact have you been having? Coastal Conservation Foundation is the umbrella NGO under which uh, Marine Life of Mumbai, which is a citizen-led project, operates. Marine Life of Mumbai is now three years old. and we've been operating on different shores in bombay creating awareness bringing people closer to the wildlife that exists on these shores and when it started the only aim was to bring people closer to the shore like i said outreach was its only aim and the founders abhishek jamalabad siddharth chakravarti and pradeep patade they wanted to start a movement in that sense since then it has now expanded to many things there are a lot more outreach activities that we do one of which is a really interesting page which is also citizen led and a very very interesting citizen science project which is on something called inaturalist inaturalist is international global database it's like a social network for naturalists and people who want to upload their biodiversity photos and it comes under the larger umbrella of California Academy of Sciences and National Geographic Society so basically marine life of mumbai has a page on it created by one of the team members shonak modi and we put all our sightings on this and it's an open access platform so what actually marine life of mumbai has done is twofold one is that of course it has created avenues of outreach which gets people closer to the wildlife on the shore and two it is creating open information open data for people like me for example i'm not a scientist i'm not a naturalist but i think there's just so much open information in terms of science that is so far frankly speaking missing from the larger conversation marine life of mumbai has put up a page right so what i'm trying to understand is how much is the contribution from people apart from members of the organization itself oh it's actually growing really really quickly so whoever comes on our walks kirti we give them a few details about how to post on inat because it's not just a marine space inaturalist welcomes information all across biodiversity species so i think a lot of people definitely get their accounts made and then as and when they like things they want to put it up they want to get it id'd uh, it gives a somewhat of a credence to photographs and knowledge sharing basically so a lot of people now who come on our walks have started to upload photos right excellent moving away from this into the whole concept of climate change and its physical impact on the season on bombay what have you been seeing on the field like when you do your walks for instance 
what have your observations been so one of the things that i do at marine life of mumbai is science communication i have been a writer now for mm-hmm. like 20 years and when they started 3 years ago it was just come to the shore see the animals since then of course outreach has in really 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 blossomed i would say and uh, what we do is climate change it's an important peg for us to talk to a lot of people who are unaware the problem that i face in terms of when i'm communicating science to people is that climate change has become somewhat of a blanket phrase for everything that is wrong today with biodiversity or the world or the way we consume things or there is just whenever you have a conversation with someone they say ha it's all climate change but climate change is it's not just one solid blanket right climate affects everything differently so when we talk about marine i think even in terms of marine climate affects the oceans differently it affects the shore differently it affects intertidal creatures differently so i think things need to be a little more specific now which is i think what we try and do in our communication at marine life of mumbai so every time i try to put something across i'd like to make it a little specific and you know kiti the really amazing thing is that of course there is data available it's not that no one has ever worked on the coasts of bombay but open access data is very difficult to get you know there's this entire science circle that shares information but people need to understand outside of it and that information i think is not yet readily available to people and that is actually one of the biggest challenges and actually very exciting part of my role to communicate and to make science climate change the beauty of it the ugly parts of it all of that very easily accessible and palatable to people who might not otherwise be interested or even aware i think all of us are interested we cannot engage with every piece of news and every piece of information that comes to us i mean this is the time of information that is overwhelming and it's an avalanche every time yeah. you open your phone you're avalanched so i think it's yeah. important for us to just make it a little simpler and i by that i don't mean it in a simplistic way i just mean that make the information is slightly simpler and just palatable and that's what we try and do so when i'm said that there's not enough information yet i don't mean in terms of research i mean in terms of science communication so what i'm doing right now and what the rest of the team is also doing is we are documenting something that seems new it's not actually new because these creatures have been on the intertidal zone forever and i think people have been observing them forever for example i have a huge grouse with you know that sometimes in newspapers you'll see new species discovered and i find that problematic because it's not discovered right now i'm sure people have been seeing it for eons i think like for example fisher folk will have seen so many of these intertidal things before we even set foot on the coast the information that is out there needs to be easily accessible and open so it needs to be at platforms which we can all access very simply and that's probably what we are trying to do with even not just climate change but all sorts of communication for the intertidal so when you talk about information not being accessible and it goes around in a select circle of people are you talking about potentially information that could come from the government not just governments kitty i feel like even research and data collection that scientists are doing if you open any newspaper it's so heartwarming to see that so much of it is environment related now and not environment related just in terms of statistics but there's also a lot of feature based 
information and stories on species, on small creatures, on not just tigers, it's also forests. So I think it's not just government. I also feel like scientists need to take SciComm a little more seriously. Okay. So I'm coming back to my question. Uh, we should have been to science communication. But when you talk about data that you guys are developing or looking at over the last X years, what kind of changes have you seen along the show line? Has there been specific physical impact of extreme weather conditions, for instance? I'm so sorry I digress, but the reason I actually did that is because what even we are looking at right now, we have very little to compare it to. So, which is why I mean that there needs to be more information available because like baseline data is right now, it's very scarce. That's why everything that we are seeing. So, for example, last year, to give you a very, I mean, relatable and recent example, last year, it rained right up to November. So, the monsoon season is when uh, shore walks and tide pooling becomes... It's not like we stop because it's always nice to see what's happening during the rains. But it is inaccessible in that sense. It's a difficult time to see creatures because there's so much siltation, there's water, uh, levels are high tide is really high. But that situation usually ends around September, max October. Last year, it rained way into November. And after it rains, we see recovery on the shore. And by recovery, I don't mean it's damaged. But to our naked eye, it just seems like, oh, now new things we can see that we could not see during the rains just because there's so much happening on the show during the rain. So that we have seen that that time period really stretched out last year. So our, you can only go on the shore, say, five days a month when the tide is favorable. And in those days, if it's raining, it becomes difficult. So we've seen that last year, particularly, it rained really, really well into the end of the year. So I think what we are doing right now, we're documenting this, not to say that this will tell us something immediately, but also that right now is the time to collect information. Like I cannot right now say with certainty that climate has affected this shore in so-and-so, so-and-so manner, because like I said, there's so little to compare it to. But this is the time of extreme and very vital data collection. Before anything happens, before our shorelines change, before we intervene and get the shorelines changed, I think... It's really important for us to find out and really, really understand what exists on it. You made a very valid point, uh, human intervention, which brings me to my next question, which is about the Coastal Road Project and the connection of that itself to the Marine Life of Bombay. Can you give us more details on this space? Yes. So in terms of facts, I think in a nutshell, what that would be is that the High Court last year at some point gave and it was a lovely, lovely decision. It actually asked for measures. To quote it directly, it actually said in July 2019, it quashed the CRZ clearances granted to the project, saying that there was a serious lacuna in the decision-making process and lack of proper scientific study, which describes the situation so well, because like I said earlier, there's very little information to start with. And then there is a project of this magnitude. So how can anyone ever say with certainty what will happen? Because we don't know. So that information needs to be collected first. And then mitigation measures need to be looked at. I was very, very impressed with the High Court decision. Of course, the Supreme Court has stayed that order and said that, no, please go on and reclaim the land until the next hearing, which is in April. So reclamation is on right now. A silver lining of an extremely strange proportions. The virus is 
preventing a lot of work from happening on the shore but until 2 months ago reclamation was going on in full strength they worked very hard i think when there is a deadline to be met and i think what will happen kiti is that scientifically i would just say that what i really know for sure is that the existing species and by that i mean individuals that exist right now on the shore they will be definitely affected i mean we are already seeing it you reclaim something you put stones on it something will die so bits of the ecosystem are already dying that we've already seen and that is not uh, speculation something that we are actually seeing what will happen once the road is here or what will happen to future generations nobody can say for sure but i think it's very unrealistic for us to think that nothing will happen and everything will come back as is i think it will change how it will change we don't know i always like to say that it's like think of it as a body okay like a human body like think of bombay as one living thing and if you cut off an arm or if you do something to the arm to think that the rest of the body is going to remain unaffected is not realistic so what happens in the ocean even if it's a reclamation it's a sealing whatever it is at some point it is going to affect the coast at some point it will also affect the city so for the marine life i'm quite alarmed and quite scared for the existing species because they are definitely in trouble how do we get governments to stop and listen to people especially when you know that it ecological system is itself is going to be damaged really like oh my god what can we do can kind a of scenario is there a solution to that to be honest i don't know if i would call it a solution but i definitely have found in these last 3 years that knowledge is so powerful i mean we haven't had much time really even at as marine level mumbai it's just been 3 years but in 3 years look at the movement that began right look at what happened to our shores and how people came out in large numbers to protect it now imagine if we had every single citizen aware how amazing that would be so i think whenever somebody asks me also that hum kya kar sakte hain not just for the road or for anything but in general i just say that i think the best thing to do is just arm yourself with as much information as possible i know it seems like are but i do feel like if you know then i think at some point you will get up and do something action will follow but if you are unaware i think a lot of people say pata nahi yaar i don't know what is going on i mean like for example for the road i think the reason i think i have been extremely successful in my communication with people is because i really empathize with the other side i mean we live in bombay and when somebody tells me that a road is going to make my traffic time like really really small i understand what they are saying it's it's a struggle to live here yeah you know the guy who's like going in a train getting his entire soul sucked out of him by the end of the day i understand that he has no time for this or he does no bandwidth but the fact is he does not yet know he doesn't know what is there that bridge and that job lies with science yeah i mean i am not trying to say you know release anyone from any responsibility but i do feel like communication right now and information is key you'll have to arm people with knowledge and then they will stand up for you if you don't tell them and then i mean there's very little point in us getting angry saying koi kisi ko padi nahi hai but pata hi nahi hai kisi ko like see the movement that came for are right because are everybody knows forest we all know our city are has been in our communication for years 
but the shore hasn't had that opportunity the shore is not a forest it's not a protected zone it does not occur to us as a wild place that wildlife dekhne ke liye shore jayenge wo to kisi ko samajh hi nahi hai so i feel like we have to first get there and we need to bring everyone to that space i think then action can be yes by the time that happens it might be too late for most things but even then i think that's important i think that foundation needs to happen otherwise a blind sort of movement will at some point die out and i think you answered that really well like if you get people to get aware procure knowledge then for them and for their kids to understand that this part of the ecosystem is as important as our economy for that matter makes a very very big difference in their mental thinking it's just about getting that right connection and the right empathy right and then you get people to join and become more aware absolutely okay i'm going back to your instagram account i went to your instagram and i was like oh my god <laughs> i'm a bombay girl and for me to know that this is out there is just crazy it's so rich and so diverse it's it's a bit unbelievable and even like otherworldly in that sense my question is how are you amplifying social media in this sense to kind of spread your message i think we were really lucky in some ways that when it started like i said there were show walks and we wanted to tell people about them and we thought right now what's a better form than social media because it's such an important vehicle for information like it's no longer as casual as it used to be say even 3 years ago i mean every newspaper is on it and i think the outreach that we can manage with social media has been like really really unbelievable and i think photos work best i think photos and videos a visual image of something like and i'm a bombay girl and that's the feeling i think that has really really hit home with all of us i mean on my first walk when i went i was still editor at another magazine at that point and i went for my first walk based on what i saw on social media they had just put in two three things by then there was not much and i went for a walk and i really thought they were getting too excited about a few crabs <laughs> you know as like ajiyali are you crazy what are you talking about and abhishek who's now you know he's moved to goa he said just come just come and see and uh, i went and when you say social media because that's such a huge part of my job when i started he just said you know what just set us up a little bit like put in a volunteer team and just do a little bit of our social media strategy and then you can go if you want and it's been 3 years since and i'm still here when you see those photos on social media and i think when people come to the shore it's just so lovely for them to see something and say you know hey this is that uh, sea slug that's solar powered right that can create its own food through sunlight and i'm like yes yes this is that and it's just really amazing to see science communication reach people in such a simple manner like it's through photos it's through insta stories and a community is building just like that and uh, of course uh, since then we've gone online in terms of websites and all also but this to me is very heartwarming because it's also if you notice the social media pages we are also trying really hard to make them like very relatable creatures so it's not just that they are living somewhere dur kahin pe of course they're beautiful but it's also that look yeah they're living here only they're living like you only like they are right in bombay and they are also sitting in filth it's just a really lovely sort of 
connection that I think people start to get when they come to Bombay shores, especially because Bombay is such a tough place for everyone. Then I think yeah. they look at them and then they're like, Arey, humne to, yeah, I saw it online and you know, it's so beautiful to see it in real. And one, of course, funny thing is also on social media, everything is macro, right? When I joined, like I said, that they had just put in some two, three photos by then. And then I was like, guys, we need to put in the sizes in our posts because people might think these are gigantic like things. And they're like, sometimes the sea slugs are size of your fingernail. And when you see them and you're like, hmm, that's really tiny. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. And when you see it online, you feel you're going to see like this giant carpet anemone. And then there's a little tiny little thing sitting on a rock. So it's been very interesting. Social media has been one of our most powerful tools. I would say even more than the showwalks because showwalks will only reach people in Bombay. Uh, social media has reached people across the globe. Then we lead them on to INAT, which incidentally also, Kirti, if I can go back to the coastal road question. Yeah. INAT actually, because it's an open database, is open to anyone to use. And it actually formed all the observations there formed a huge part of the petitions that three, four organizations in Bombay, Sagar Shakti and CAT and Shweta Vag, and they really used a lot of that data. And that formed all the biodiversity elements of those petitions were from INAT. So the citizen science movement is so powerful when you think about it, that everyone who has come to the shore has put in their photos just because they felt that, wow, this is beautiful and should be shared. And then it actually made its way to court. I think social media, online outreach is just right now something that is extremely heartwarming and very, very powerful. Yeah, I mean, what you're saying basically goes to show it has impact, right? And it has impact so much so that a high court can actually sit and say, this is hardcore data and this data we will use to inform ourselves to actually pass judgment. So that's fabulous. That's really fabulous. Yeah, that was great. Tell us more about Coastwise and how does that work and who benefits from attending it? Coastwise started actually last year. This was the second year. Last year, it was on a smaller platform. We just wanted to see whether or not people would come. Like we thought a festival on the intertidal zone, not a crow will come. That was the thought process. I mean, I really need to have more faith in the city. We were booked out for every event. So the whole idea of Coastwise was formed between three organizations, Marine Life of Mumbai, WWF India, and Mangrove Foundation. Mangrove Foundation who funded it. And eternally grateful that we have uh, <laughs> places like this who really care about city's coastline. So it was basically to celebrate it. We said, Dekho, this is there. Come look at it. Come engage with it. And watch movies on it. Uh, just come and celebrate it. That was the idea. And then that moved beyond just an evening of photo awards. We wanted people to go on the shore and start taking photos of these creatures. So also have that interest and not just photographers. Like we wanted everyone who came. So we told our entire database of shore walkers who came with us of tide poolers. They sub up photo page send your photos. And everybody did. We had over 400 pictures to select from for the photography awards wow. for an intertidal zone. And that just blew my <laughs> mind because I could not understand that this sort of interest can happen on a piece of land that's invisible most of the time because of high tide. And just when it's low tide, you get to see these creatures. And I was just amazed that there are these many supporters for something that is so fleeting in their eyes. So they all came. So basically, there were photo awards. There were shore walks, of course. 
this year we also did something really fun with the guys at in season fish from chennai they came down and uh, we actually had a fish preparation walk we wanted people to get a little acquainted with where their food comes from so they went and looked at the docks they went to sasoon and they went to girgaon and it was very interesting we also had a uh, flamingo uh, because of course mangrove is also intertidal which a lot of people forget the entire coastline that is full of these mangroves beautiful ecosystem mudflats are also intertidal zones so we wanted to also take people through that and there were flamingos there of course which drew all the people who came on those boats they had a wild time because there thousands of birds flying around them and we had a movie screening chasing coral and we had uh, of course the the closing ceremony which had rohan chakravarti tasneem khan who came and spoke to people and i think what it did for everyone is a of course again it's a community that came together to to see that this is there and it was a month long thing and every weekend we had something so there's a feeling of celebration there's a feeling of a festival and we are usually a bit bogged down by news of the environment i definitely am though i work in it i don't think the news is always pleasant and this i think gave us a chance to say yes things are quite shit but look how beautiful and look what fun we can have with this and i think that was a great sort of entry point for a lot of new people to come we had a lot of new names and that excites me a lot whenever i crack the beyond wildlife circle into people who are non wildlife guys i get really excited by that because i think that is the triumph i always tell our wildlife uh, the marine biologists guys in our group i say yaar our people will come even if you put a photo of a jellyfish our people will come so don't worry about them <laughs> what we need is the rest of the city like we really need these guys to come and engage and they did they did in this most marvelous way you should come next time <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I feel like you built a community. Like all of what you've described goes to show that you actually built a community. What about reaching the younger generation and making them aware of the rich diversity of marine life in Bombay? Yes. I mean, I'll probably divide them into two parts. There's a section that's on social media, and of course, there's a section that's younger and has no access to it. The section that's on social, of course, we are engaging in many ways. section that's not on social media which are uh, students in colleges and schools we are actually now getting into a really wonderful space with them where colleges and schools are reaching out to us and saying can you come and do workshops with our students and what we do is we do like a small little presentation with them and once their little minds are blown <laughs> by the fact that there are coral and zoanthids and jellyfish in our dirty beaches then i think we take short walks with them there are art workshops i think art is a fabulous way to actually do science communication we've done a few workshops with them as well and in one really cute workshop we actually did an entire tide pool in terms of art everybody made like a sea creature and then we drew like a small little make believe tide pool and we said where do you think each creature sits and if it was a dolphin they put it in the ocean and that side of the tide line and if it's a crab then they put it on this side of the tide line so i think there was so much it was chaotic and fun and they immediately understood how creatures survive and what tides actually mean this has been very fun i think offline activities have proved to be delightful with children we've also amazingly and i hope this continues there are teachers who have come to us asking if they can put some part of what we do as graded assignments so we've started to do that with two schools now and 
it's not a subject but it's a part of a larger i think they have environmental science and stuff like that so they have small little graded assignments that we have now taken on and hopefully this will lead to very sustained communication with the kids so mangoes form such an important part of how bombay kind of fights against storm surges and floods and yet every story i hear from lokanwala side is mangoes are going and they're going down so my question is how do we get people to understand the true importance of what people perceive as weeds are not necessarily that and that they form such a strong defense so to speak how do we get people to understand the importance slowly i think again but i do feel like i think after the horrible horrible floods that bombay experienced yeah. there has been some sort of it's minute always minuscule in that sense but i think there has been a slight change in perception because i think it's part of human nature to only be interested in something that affects us which is a bit sad but that is how it is that's how most of us are operating on this earth and that's why we're in trouble but i think the floods kind of opened people's eyes to the fact that we have mangroves i think no one even knew that you actually said it right when a lot of people think that they are like weedy god knows what are these shrubs that are growing on our coastline nobody had noticed really but i think after the floods people have been quite shaken and i think now there are organizations that do mangrove walks and mangrove awareness there's also an app that godridge has started it's an app that actually describes mangrove species that are in the city and you can go wow. looking on your own yeah it's fabulous so i think there's some sort of work now being done i think that was sort of a watershed moment quite literally as well for uh, for bombay and mangrove ecosystems are actually quite amazing they're very different from what you will see on our other shores we haven't done any mangrove walks yet because it's a bit squishy and I want to ease people into getting their boots muddy quite literally we were also a bit worried about the mosquitoes and the epidemics and we got a bit but i think now when of course things get better in terms of what is now happening to the world i think we would like to yeah. start mangrove walks as well and tell take because it's a probably different ecosystem like there are mud skippers and fiddler crabs and you know things that you wouldn't flat worms i mean if you see our social media there's a really really amazing worm that almost seems fluid i mean we've also captioned it sliding into our dms it's just really wonderful so that ecosystem itself is just so fertile and uh, really really fun to see one more question which relates to clearing up of beaches i know that this kind of thing has become really uh, once it popular is not the right word to use but it's something that's happening quite frequently and i know there's somebody in bombay who's also shy who cleaned up the versova beaches and turtles came and you know it was like a big sensation yeah so what kind of effect do you think cleaning up of beaches does what i'm trying to understand is is it something that is always good that is happening because you're talking about ecosystem is existing and people clean up and depending on who is doing the clean up and how they're doing it this might be a great thing or it might damage the ecosystem further already can you tell us a little bit more about that please the most important thing about a beach clean up and i was actually asked this question by my niece recently who wanted to do one for her school what i told her was that i think it's nice that you want to do this for the environment and it's really wonderful that you want to clean the beaches 
but i think the true heroism i don't think is her act of collecting the trash because without knowing where that trash is going i would be quite alarmed and concerned because a lot of people that i've spoken to i think afrosh has of course done a great job and i really like what persoa beach now looks like but to take from what you said about the buzzword that it has now become i think a lot of people who say that we want to now do this i always like to ask them that it's fine i hope that you understand where the waste is going because that is important because it should not go back to the ocean you can't just dump it in your trash because basically what you have done is done a little bit of a vicious cycle for the waste you've collected it it's gone to your dumpster and now it's going to go back into the ocean so i would like people to just understand how and where the waste is going that's a really important question to ask i think the true takeaway from a clean up i think this is just for my niece cuz she's so young and i just wanted to sort of tell her that just see what you're collecting and i think that is the biggest takeaway for you to understand consumption that is probably the biggest takeaway for me at least personally of a clean up because you understand what is being consumed and what you can actually do without because the waste that you pick up is actually things that might have been in your house at some point so to my niece that was what i actually said true heroism is not the fact that you've gone and collected you don't know where the waste is going but true heroism is just to understand that you need to consume less i think the only way we will be able to alter any of this waste problem is i know it's a very high ambitious and very reaching sort of statement but only if we consume less will we be able to deal with this problem right and that kind of feeds into my next question which is about the media and what kind of role do you think the media is playing in spreading awareness about what's happening out there you've talked about biodiversity you've talked about mangroves environmental protection all of that kind of feeds into the whole climate change narrative and then extreme weather also of course because bombay has been subject to that quite a lot what kind of role do you think the media is playing in spreading awareness about this like in most things i think there's good reportage and bad reportage i see a lot of good reportage now in terms of not just climate change but in terms of just giving space for biodiversity actually and i've been in the media for so long to see that there has been a shift in how much space editors want to give environmental stories and that has exponentially increased at the same time of course if there's a larger crisis everything takes a back seat so it's not like it's always on point and i'm not even talking about every editor of course there's good reportage and bad reportage but i do think that most media houses now they may not always be on point with their communication but they are definitely on point in the intention of putting as much as they can that goes out to a larger public and that to me is very very encouraging i think it's a very good time social media has opened up doors to writers to scientists to you know just write to a person you can write to a person on twitter and edit on twitter and they will reply to you it's become a very open forum for uh, storytelling and different forms different formats videos audio podcasts all of this is now becoming more and more accessible more and more popular if i can use that word and i think that's quite encouraging to me i think it might be a, a bit slower than i would have liked in terms of movement but like i said information takes time yeah you're very right about that for me as well i mean i've seen this shift happen always that mention about the flood happening etc but at the same time there are so many stories coming out about people who are truly and deeply and passionately involved in making that change happen against climate crisis 
So I find that very, very fascinating. So I'm going to come to my last question. Can you tell us about any special encounters you might have had with marine life that left you with a feeling of awe? You know, you said that a little while ago and I'm going to go back to that again. I think for a person who's living in a city like Bombay, the first time that you see something on a shore that's so full of life on its own, never really thought about our Bombay beaches as living things. I've thought of them as just spaces that connect us to the ocean in some way. But uh, it has become a home, yeah, Kippi. The shore is a living thing now. Like the entire beach is alive. And that itself is a bit mind-blowing to me. That wherever I walk, there might be things that are looking at me, are annoyed with me, <laughs> would like me to leave. I think that's fabulous. After several encounters with uh, jellyfish in our waters, not just Bombay, but Karwar and Goa, I have lost my heart to them. And everybody who knows me now knows this. <laughs> the entire, I've been gifted many jellyfish things over the last three years. And I saw one right at Juhu. You know, when Novotel, the big hotel full of tourists, and just walk out onto the beach that day and there was a UFO thing <laughs> lying on the... It was about, I think, two feet. It was a jellyfish and it had been beached and it was on the shore and... I cannot even describe how that feels. Every monsoon man of war, Portuguese man of war, and small wow. little porpitas come to our beaches. And they come to all our beaches. And not just Bombay, everywhere. I'm reduced to, you know how when you meet a child and you are reduced to this blubbering mess. And everybody know in my team now knows this. Most of my videos are on mute. Because when I'm taking these creatures, I'm just saying ridiculous things to them. Like I say things like, welcome to Bombay. The manoeuvre is a thing of beauty. It's like the tiger of the intertidal. It's just gorgeous. Yeah, so I think these meetings with them and these little interactions with creatures that become favorites over time. And it's just lovely. I think scientists will tell you not to have favorites, but I'm not a scientist. Thanks, that I had a delightful time talking to you. And you describe it so well. Bombay's beaches are a living, breathing thing. And for me, it's taking some effort. I'm very grateful for that. Thank you so much. I've had a wonderful time. I'm so to you. delighted, Kirti. Thank you so much. <laughs>